We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Good evening. I hope you'll excuse me if I appear a trifle excited. We're only interested in one thing. Can you tell a story, Bob? Can you make us laugh? Can you make us cry? Can you make us want to break out? Enjoy yourself. We move fast. Can you take it? No matter what you do now, you're still part of everything that's happening. Used to be in silent pictures. Used to be big. I am big. It's the pictures that got small. We need more heart in motion pictures. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You just put your lips together and blow. Listen to me, Hatcher. You gotta tell him. I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Are you listening? The Boulevard of Broken Dreams. We're making another movie. This is the one I'll be remembered for. Welcome back to the Sword and Cinema Podcast. This week we're going to be taking a look at 2021's Slacks. Directed by Elsa Kephart and written by Patricia Gomez and Elsa Kephart. Here's a clip. Ready. Hi there. And you are? Libby. You are here for the new collection turnaround. This is such an important night for us. A lot of people have been very keen to get their eyes on it. Jeans that automatically adapt to your body size. The Super Shapers! I want you to know I will do whatever it takes to make sure things go as scheduled. Oh my god. I'm so like totally excited I could just die. <laughs> should, should we call the police? We can't. We're in lockdown. What if there's a killer out there? Are you afraid there's a killer out there? All right, that was a clip from Slacks, a movie about killer pants. Um, I think that basically sums up the premise. <laughs> but again, written uh, by Patricia Gomez and Elsa Kephart and directed by Kephart. Joining me to talk about this killer pants movie, and I'm going to love saying killer pants multiple times over the course of this podcast, is Ricky D. I think it's really important to specify that it's not just pants, it's specifically jeans. Denim. Denim jeans. We don't want to make all pants look bad. And yet the movie's called Slacks, which does not make me think of jeans. That's just one of the weird eccentricities about this movie. Anyway, also joining us is Simon Howell. <laughs> Yo. All right. So Slacks. Uh, brief synopsis, brief premise of this movie is that uh, there's a clothing store company that is going to be having a Monday Madness sale. And so it's asking all its employees to stay overnight bizarrely long but nevertheless they're staying overnight in a also bizarre lockdown uh in their building where they cannot escape and it just so happens that there is a pair of killer pants there's count number two um that's loose in the building <laughs> that has a grudge a mayor <laughs> against these people i don't really know there's not really the, too much to describe outside of that that is the setup uh rick you're the one that picked slacks why don't you explain yourself? It's a film from Montreal. It's a Canadian film. I actually know one of the screenplay writers. 
And I wanted to spotlight an indie film, a B-movie, a horror film, a horror comedy, this type of movie that I think needs and maybe deserves more attention. I think it was supposed to come out in 2020. I'm not entirely sure, but it hit the film festivals in 2020. I think our first review on the website was from the Fantasia Film Festival. Very, very positive review from Tom. I do like this movie. I'm not crazy about the movie, but I do like it. This is the type of movie I watch and I enjoy, but I don't think I would ever want to watch again. And I think the reason is, we can talk about this a little later on, I like my horror films that have a bit of social commentary, but I don't like it when the horror film feels a little too preachy about the message and heavy-handed. So all in all, I do like this film, and I do think it's worth watching. And I should mention it's only 80 minutes long, so it's not a very long film. So and it's the kind of movie that you can watch with your friends, you know, have a, a really fun double feature and put this movie on first because it is short before you watch your second film. And you can have a good laugh, have a good time. It's got a lot of gore, a lot of laughs, a lot of satire, a lot of humor. It's funny. It's witty. Yeah, I mean, I love these kind of goofy movies. This is right. This is my bread and butter. Uh, I would pick more of these movies, and I may pick more of these movies in the future. If I could, every week I almost would uh, do a stupid monster movie, which is essentially what this is. It's a sci-fi channel movie that's done slightly better. Um, I, I'm with you. I actually think this movie's pretty fun up until a certain point when it completely changes it starts to take itself seriously it's actually a lot of fun when it doesn't take things too seriously and it just sort of rolls with the satire and uh you know the the the, for for monster movie fans or horror movie fans the the kills are okay Uh, i think they could have been a little bit they could have been amped up a little bit too but it still is a lot of fun there's some creative stuff in there until that last 20 minutes or so when it undermines itself completely i think (laughs) but uh but you can just ignore that and, and have a good time with this movie up, and, up until that point. Uh, I actually, I, I really dug this movie for the most part. Um, I could kind of tell while watching it the point at which it is going to lose some people. And clearly it lost some people here. Um, I would agree that I think the first 45 minutes or so, or first, you know, two acts or however you want to put it um is definitely the the best chunk of the movie but you know first of all that's over half the movie it's uh minus credits it's actually only about 72 minutes long which uh great length for a uh high concept slightly somewhat goofy um you know satirical genre movie to all you aspiring filmmakers out there just a just a note um however i would also add first of all I watch so many new horror movies and so many of them have absolutely nothing to say and nothing on their minds. Um, so I'm willing to give movies a little bit of leeway in, in terms of like this one does kind of lurch into, uh, I guess you could call it preachy territory, but um, I'm always just happy when a movie is about anything because most movies aren't. Uh, so, you know, points for that. You know, I was happy with the the satire early on is not too subtle, but just subtle enough where you kind of get the message. See, for me, I think the last 20 minutes completely undermine. Like, it's it's not the message or that it's trying to do a message. It's the way that it tries to convey it. It destroys everything the movie built up. Before, I shouldn't say destroys, but it, but it undermines the kind of the tone and the mm-hmm. atmosphere, the fun of that the movie had been built up before that. And it just it pulls the rug out. 
And now, I, it, and not in a surprise way, just in a, oh, now we're going to actually be serious way. Do you think it has a little to do with the characters? Because I think the best character in the movie is Craig, who's played by Brett Donahue. He plays the manager who's trying to be regional manager. He has big dreams of becoming someone big in this company. I like his character. I thought he was funny. He plays the bad guy, but yet you can sympathize for him. He's got the charisma. It, it, there's something about his, his performance that I really love. When we have less of his character, I find myself missing his character because, and I understand the point of having the main, I don't even know if she is the main character, but Libby, she's a very- She's definitely the point of view character. The point of view character. She's very, she's just a, a common girl who gets, I think, her first job working at this company. She's really nice, very quiet, maybe a little too quiet for my liking in this sort of film. I liked all of the characters, but her character, I really- just kind of felt her character was bland. And so when you when the movie does get a bit preachy and then we focus a lot on her character, I find it loses its edge. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because it basically... My argument would be that in the end, it doesn't really quite... What, it's, what it wants to say doesn't match up with what's been happening in the movie. And I feel like this is the sort of thing... The Day the Earth Stood Still is a movie that I never truly understood why people like this movie or why people can sympathize with the movie portrays the aliens as this kind of holier-than-thou species that's here to teach us a lesson. And I always thought, like, they were willing to wipe us out completely. How good are these people? Like, go ahead and shoot them. Destroy the robot. They were had no problem wiping us out. They are not better than us. Why does the movie treat them as if they have halos around their head when they are clearly just a murderous species just like we are? Um, that I got a little sense of that from this, where I did not care what the what the movie was trying to say at the end, because of the way the movie goes about its first two acts. So you mean you sort of like fell out in the climax? Yeah, I I, I once I knew what they were when they really went all out on their message. It, it was fun when it was just kind of satire and they were poking fun at it, and I got it right. I got the I got the message. When they go all out on their specific, when they when they tell you specifically what happened and what is happening, then I got a little bit of day the earth stood still, and I thought I don't care because because of everything that's happened before this, <laughs> like this, what has happened is, uh, like I said, undermines any credibility that the the message has later on, to me, to me personally. So I lost it. Like I, I, the movie completely lost me at that point. And I just tried to remember when, when it ended. I just I, I watched the bad taste of the last ten minutes or so out of my mouth, and I just remembered like I did ha- actually really enjoy what came before that. I kind of get what you mean, but I think that horror and genre films are all about. I don't think proportional responses, if you want to put it that way, or like yeah. uh, some symmetrical symmetrical revenge or justice as a. Uh, as the word is, that is thrown around uh, in this film. I don't think that's really the point of movies like this. And um, I, so in that sense, it didn't bother me. Again, we are dancing around stuff that we will talk about more specifically later. But I would add, I think you will get something extra out of this movie. A, if you've ever worked retail uh, <laughs> yep. or any kind of customer, uh, theoretically customer-facing role, there actually aren't any customers in this movie, which I think is sort of a shame. Um, but uh, any kind of retail work or, and this is a big one for me because I've done this not once, not twice, but three times. Uh, if you've ever worked for a company that claims to be super ethical and or a CEO who thinks they are saving or at least changing the world, um, 
there are, a, I mean, just based on anecdotal evidence in my life, there are a lot of companies like that. Yeah, I was going to say, which is practically every corporate company these days. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I think that's the stuff in the movie that is most effective is this uh, sort of lampooning of, uh, I guess you could call it this, this merging of like woke, um, woke culture and corporate branding that is just fucking everywhere now. Um, I don't know if either of you um, ever pay attention to corporate Twitter feeds, especially they are, they are starting to become a surreal nightmare of messaging. That's what this, this movie does that very well at the beginning. That's part of what makes it so fun is that it gets that, it gets that environment so well and it pokes such good fun at the companies that do that constantly, especially nowadays where they're just trying to, to signal essentially that they're fine, that they're, they're this virtuous company. And, and I was going to say that this movie's a lot of fun at the beginning as it's going through all this and setting up all these very um, cynical characters that are in this, <laughs> this environment where they have to portray this sense of optimism and positivity. Uh, it, it does a great job with that, all revolving just around a clothing store. And th that's also part of the ridiculous of, of this is it's just a clothing store but they feel like they have to portray it as a way of life. Every every company nowadays feels like it has to portray what it's selling as a way of life. Okay, so it's not just me, because I, I I don't understand why people sometimes feel that the companies they work at, like they actually mean something at the end of the day, and like in terms of like how they're trying to change the world. And that's that's what I do see in this film. Like, like you said, it's a retail store. They just sell clothes. But there are people who work at places like this where it means so much more for them to move up and become a regional manager in this case, which is the, the character Craig. Like, he's changing the world for the better. And it makes no sense. Like, I don't understand that way of thinking. He's bought into the corporate line. And I've worked with people like that who really, really buy into what they're selling. And... You know, that's how they get people to move up their chain. Most people just move in and out of those jobs. You know, they, that's why they have such high turnover. But the people they get to stick, they really got to they gotta buy into it. And and Craig is one of those people that does. He he believes in what the company is selling to him, what, uh, what, what, what corporate is selling to him. But that's why he's my favorite character. He's the one character who I believe in. Like, even though his performance is over the top and he's supposed to, you know, play this like his i don't know i don't know what the proper word is to describe that that sort of like performance but at the same time his character feels very real and he's desperate he's desperate it's a very he, heightened campy performance i think is maybe the campy word campy is the word i'm looking for but despite the fact despite the fact that he's that he that it's a campy performance his character feels real because we all know people <laughs> like that i mean if we were to talk about all of the worst most annoying people we've ever worked with at any big company I, I would be willing to bet a lot of them resemble this person, right? The kind of person who stays in a company, works there forever, he or she wants to move up the chain. And this is the type of person you end up getting, right? But if you look at a movie like Dawn of the Dead, and I think this movie might take inspiration from Dawn of the Dead, it also has a bit of social commentary. But George A. Romero didn't feel the need to have these flashbacks and take you out of the movie by transporting us to, like, in the past or a different country, it's hard to talk about without getting into spoilers, but I kind of felt like the movie did take me out of the movie because it transports us to a different place, a different time, following a different character who we don't really know. I think, in a sense, for the, mo for the movie and the message they wanted to make, I think it kind of was needed, um, which we can get into later. But I, whether it was wise for them to, to try to bite off that much in the space of a 
72 minute horror comedy um is something we can get into um i think they there are there would have been much better ways of doing it they could have done the exact same thing and still transported us there i just don't think that the execution was was handled well at all on that end i do want to remind people this is a small part of this movie though so if we're going to be negative about this which yeah, yeah, i would yeah. be extremely negative about this except at the same time i can still look back at this movie and i would watch it again because i really do think that the first like i say the first two-thirds or even more than that is is actually is a lot of fun and i just have this little problem with the way they try to wrap things up with a bow mm-hmm. they try to present this with a sympathetic movie monster of which we've seen many in the history of the horror genre right and this is not one i mean it by for me I, because i don't think it's properly established but but so, but everybody's going to take something different to a movie like this as well and maybe they 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 needed to do a little more with me i think and they could probably get away with this for uh, for some people and other people being between who knows but um, up until then, I mean, I think we should dive into what makes this movie actually a lot of fun, which is we we barely talked about the killer pants, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's killer pants in this movie. <laughs> I mean, one of that? the things that's most fun is watching that the pants move around. Whoever did the effects for the, the pants effects? They're so good. Fantastic They're so job. good. <laughs> I mean, the gore is great. The the kills because they do find different ways to actually kill people i like the i like for example one of the first kills it, it plays around with the idea of form-fitting genes like genes that will just fit you properly because it forms with your body i thought that was really clever that first kill sequence it's supposed to look silly at the same time right so there there is that level of gore but it's not nasty or mean-spirited it's just like playful and fun and the effects are great because we basically have a pair of genes running around a warehouse killing people yeah, and this is a brightly lit movie, so you get like really bright cherry red blood, and it, it's got it's that kind of gore, that more fun kind of gore. Um, I, I wish there was more of it, frankly. Like, I love the the creativity behind some of the kill scenes is great. Like the one you talked about, where the form fitting, it it, uh, it basically tries to cut somebody in two at the waist. Um, that I would I would like to seem just a little more ridiculousness out of some of the kills, but outside of that, I I did like how creative they were, and I think there's a particular uh, salesperson that goes back into the warehouse later on. I loved his. <laughs> that one was ridiculous. Like they they went over the top with that one, and it completely worked for me. Yeah, and uh, and clearly, I mean, I don't know exactly what the budget of this movie was. We can infer from the fact that it's most it's it's ninety five percent in. Uh, in just a couple of indoor locations and uh you know from other stuff pretty i'm i'm sure a shoestring budget um and it's all i mean i couldn't spot any kind of cgi i'm assuming it was all practical effects um they they look they're they're so fun like i my favorite recurring practical effect actually was the um uh s- some of the time the 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 genes appear to to use uh whatever you call that the, the waste as as a mouth to like eat eat and <laughs> yeah. or like to sort of like consume blood and or flesh um, suck which, up blood for some reason <laughs> yeah sometimes it eats skin uh, it's like yeah. a, it's a whole thing it's 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 such a goofy effect but it's so effective yeah were the zippers teeth i can't remember because i swear there were teeth in this thing it's at one point but I, it does I don't look know. like it's growing teeth out of the waste at some point um, yeah. the, the movie plays fast and loose with the physics of what these genes can and cannot do. And it's like, you really don't care. 
No, not at all. And the way they design the movement uh, is, I think, that's something I'll remember most probably from this movie, is the way the pants move. Uh, I love it. I love that they didn't go with anything super fluid. It's got this almost like they're still folded kind of movement. Uh, they, they have joints. They almost have joints. And it's not like somebody's legs are inside them and they just put a green screen dude, you know, or put a green suit on a guy and had him move with the pants. It's animated, almost like a stop motion type thing. I'm not really sure what it is, to tell you the truth. It's not stop motion, I don't think. Or if it is, it's done very well. But yeah, they've got like this sort of almost mechanical way of moving. I don't really know how to describe it, but I really liked it. So it reminded me of Paper Mario. You ever played oh, yeah. a Paper Mario game? <laughs> Simon, you have, you ever, have you ever played a Paper Mario game? No, but I've, I've, I feel like I've seen images from it, and I, I know what you're okay. talking about. If you know what I'm talking about, the way the jeans move, it's the way Paper Mario moves in those games. Um, I just could not stop thinking of that game for some reason. But you know what I really do like? I like it when the jeans uses the, the, the mannequin has an actual body. And then so that was did, tight. I like that a lot. I love that sequence. So then the actual like the jeans are smart enough to use the mannequin. So now it actually does have a body and it's walking around with dancing and stuff. Um, they also do a really good job just sort of assembling a variety of characters, I thought. I mm -hmm. thought everybody, it's hard sometimes in a movie like this to have distinct personalities and you can go with so many different tropes. It's not like they create amazing characters, but they are distinct. Um, and they each sort of have different motivations, which is good. That's sometimes tough to do in a horror movie. You can lose track of all the teens, which one's which, unless they use certain stereotypes and like you said, you didn't like Libby very much. I thought Libby works pretty well as the the point of view character. Obviously, Craig's going to be more entertaining as the desperate, you know, morally flexible, shall we say, um, manager. But I think it was good to have an idealist in there. And the idealists are never as interesting as the morally flexible characters. But they're, they, they need to be in there for a reason. And I thought she provided a good foil to him. Just somebody to sort of I mean, she's clearly naive, but that works in this movie. I wouldn't say I didn't like her. She's my least favorite character, but she okay. is the main character. Like, uh, my favorite character is Shruti. And I think if you take Shruti out of the equation, if she's not there till the end of the movie, I think the movie just wouldn't be as fun to watch. Like, we wouldn't want to just watch Libby running away from a monster, in this case, a pair of jeans. So I, I think we needed the characters that surround her. She works because she balances out the cast and the cast of eccentric characters. But I still do think that Brett Donahue is by far my favorite actor in this film. Like, I love his performance from start to finish. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I think it's so important to go back to Craig for a minute. It's so important and such a smart character uh, aspect that he's middle management. Mm -hmm. Middle management. Um, I, I thought about uh, David Graeber's bullshit jobs and... Uh, his description of how over the last few decades um, there's been, there's been this incre increasing bureaucratization of, uh, of companies. And the epitome of that is just the addition of these intermediate roles that are really just fucking pointless, just have no purpose whatsoever. And um, the fact that he's in one of these pretty bullshitty jobs. And I think on some level, you kind of get the sense that that he knows that, and that's why he's he's always striving for more because clearly the 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 the, the job it serves no real function. Um, and you know, you were saying before that he's kind of like a true believer. I actually didn't get the sense uh, of of that from him. He he struck me as the kind of guy 
who sort of tricks himself into enthusiasm as a way to hopefully climb the corporate ladder. He didn't strike me as a person with a genuine, uh, uh, a, a genuine admiration for anyone involved. No, That's but he, he's, the, he's the typical manager that you see in just about every single company who doesn't believe that he will ever have a chance working in another company where he will get the opportunity to move up the ladder. So he will continue to work at this company and ignore everything that's bad about it and convince himself that it's a great place to work because he fears that if he leaves, he's never going to get anywhere in his life. He stays at this company. He's trying to make his way up the ladder. And you're right. It's kind of like a thankless role because he's the one that's going to get blamed for everything at the end of the day. So he wants to move up and he's so desperate to move up that he kisses everyone's ass. Again, I'm sure anyone who's ever worked at a big company knows someone like this. Yeah, it's that type where it's that type of position. You can see why he's desperate and why he's always kind of shifty eyed and looking over his shoulder constantly, because it's the type of position which exists in the real world, unfortunately, where you produce no work, but you you still have to oversee people. So you don't actually like like you said, Simon, it's a useless position. You do actually nothing for the company and you realize that subtly. And so you always are looking over your shoulder because you need to you need to constantly invent excuses for your position to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like he's he's one of those guys. I kind of I, I, I still think he sort of almost believed it towards the end of the movie he he was definitely more of just a, I'm trying to get ahead. But I feel like at the beginning of the movie when he's reciting their mantra and then he kind of bought into it and he was so in awe of the CEO of the company coming to visit and I mean, obviously, he had his his little bit of cynical nature as well. He, he he was more of a realist than, say, Libby was, who was coming in completely naive to the company. But at the same time, like the way he would sort of say say that mantra, I felt like I I believed it anyway to at least a certain extent. He was just an adult about it, whereas Libby was coming at it from a, a child's perspective. Just to be a little bit more positive before we go to break, I love the set. Like, I know it all takes place in one location, but it's a different sort of location. It's not like a cabin in the woods. It's not just someone's house. It's an actual, like, warehouse slash retail store. I love the lighting. It really does remind me of stores like The Gap. Even the clothes. Like, I like, like, you know, each, like, the colors. You know what I mean? Like, the color palette of the film. Dead on. And not just the clothes on the shelves, but even the clothes that they wear. I even like the introduction of the YouTuber because, you know, I like can't stand most YouTubers. So it was <laughs> That was also great satire. Yeah, uh, I just love that character. I do not remember her name. I think it's Peyton Jules. Yeah, that's yes. it. Right. Um, I love that, like, even the soundtrack and yet, like, the editing, again, the pacing, there isn't an ounce of fat in this movie. It's 80 minutes long. Like Simon, you said it's 72 minutes long if you take away the credits. I love the actual title of the movie and the logo slacks, like just, just even calling a pair of pants slacks is like a good way to market the movie. I love the, the slogans for the actual company believe and make a better tomorrow today. Like the creation of the actual fake company within the movie, I thought was brilliant. I mean, I would not be surprised to find out that people who worked on this movie had worked for there's something about the the graphic design of the slacks logo and some other aspects that really reminds me specifically of like boutique montreal clothing brands who would do stupid things like uh like a timed rollout at midnight and like stuff you know these uh stupid media gimmicks to get people interested patrick if you ever come to montreal this is what you're going to see downtown montreal 
Absolutely. What I want what I want to know from you guys is would it be legal in Montreal to completely lock down a building so that nobody could get in or out for like eight hours? <laughs> that seems like a fire hazard in some way. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not sure. It's a it's a little contrived, and I was laughing at that. But I, I again, this is the, the kind of movie it is. I, I have no quibbles with it. I'm, but I'm going to answer yes because it's Montreal. Really? Yeah, I mean, I've actually worked when I was in college. 18 years old at the TV studio, I stayed overnight and I was 18 years old. Did they lock you in? I was locked in. I, the, the only way I can get in was to go see the security guard. We actually made a diehard spoof because we were, ba we basically had the entire college to siege up to ourselves. So we used the security camera footage. We would talk to the security guards to get permission to use it. And we filmed this like 10 minute spoof. And the whole concept was like diehard, except it's a bunch of students in a college. But yeah, we, we basically, <laughs> we had to stay overnight to, anyways, you know, this whole long story. I don't want to get into it, but, but yeah, it's Montreal. Montreal does weird things. I mean, our clubs stay open till like the next day. Our clubs don't close. Actually, you can go to stereo and, and dance till noon the next day. Which is great. But I just think it's weird that a company would actually, you know, they, they basically put their employees in jail for the night. <laughs> there's no way to get out. Like, if you had a heart attack, there's no way to get out. I mean, it's, is it really that much more ridiculous than companies who, like, dock your pay if you take too many bathroom breaks? Or yeah, like I know, I know. It's that, any, That's why any, I wondered if that was supposed to be symbolic of something. Um, because there's one last thing. Bit. What one la actually two last very short things I wanted to mention before we cut to break. First one is uh one last little bit of satire that I loved is the fact that um the main character has a Libby uh has to buy clothes from the store to wear and uh d doesn't even get her discount yet because her shift hasn't started and I know it's ridiculous but uh and shout out to Adam Curtis for keeping this fresh in my mind. It's really not a million miles away from like the old uh, mining company towns and everything running on company script. Um, so, you know, it's ridiculous, but it's not completely ridiculous. Uh, and the other last thing is, and I'll get into why after the break, because it's real spoilery. Um, there's a very specific reason that I think this movie is careful to say and, and to underline that this movie is set in Canada. It repeatedly shows you when we get those shots of elsewhere uh, that this is a Canadian company, and I think there's a very specific reason for that. And we'll get into it after the break. Right, and before uh, we go to the break, I just want to mention really quick, Simon, way back when we started a podcast, we yeah. actually reviewed their first film, Graveyard Alive, A Zombie Nurse in Love. Now, the movie was released in 2003, but we ended up reviewing it in some sort of like zombie episode. So I'm going to try to find the audio, and if I find it, I will put that review at the end of this show. All right. Well, that will do it for our first half. I can't wait to hear what this whole thing is about, Simon. I feel like I know what this is going to be, but I, I can't remember it for sure. But anyway, we're all, we're all going to find out <laughs> when all we right. get back from our break. But here's in between there. Here's another clip from Slacks. Get ready. For slacks. Okay, so we know two things. It loves Bollywood music, and it has a bindi on its forehead. Slacks. Small price to pay for an awesome ass.
All right, that was another clip from Slacks. We are at the portion of the podcast where we ask our five questions. We're always going to start off positive. And come on, this is a movie about killer pants, so how could it not be positive? Uh, Simon, what's your favorite scene from Slacks? My favorite scene, um, you know, I sort of think of the entire first like 45 minutes of this movie as um, sort of one long uh, sort of satirical comedy scene broken up with kills. Um, But uh, there was just one specific moment, actually, that I wanted to highlight because I thought it was such a great lampooning of corporate wokeness. It's just really one little phrase. And there's a lot of little buzzy phrases in this movie, so it's it's uh it's it's tough to pick just one. But at some point, Craig or someone else, no, it's in an ad. One of their ads uh, uses the term "epically sourced," <laughs> and I laughed like a banshee when I heard that. So uh, honestly, just just drop. I guess just that ad um, and dropping in that language was like the, the point at which I most enjoyed this movie. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> what about you rick what's your favorite scene oh man i love bollywood films and i love music in bollywood films so my favorite scene is by far the scene in which the pair of jeans actually starts dancing i could not stop laughing and yet it's such an energetic scene it brings energy to the movie i love the character once again played by sahar bojani sorry if i mispronounced her name but shruti i love her character and i just absolutely love that scene so it's not the best scene in the film, but it's by far my favorite scene. And and also there's a buildup to it, right? Because at the start of mm-hmm. the film, there's an inside joke in which Libby asks her if she likes music from India. There's like this buildup, like there's a payoff to that scene. Like, so I just love, I love that sequence. Yeah, I got, I like the beginning the most. I just like setting up the store. I think they set the store up so well with all the different characters and just watching them rush around right before the store actually closes when they still are helping customers. Um, I did used to work at retail at, at a clothing store in college. It was a, uh, oh my God, I don't even remember who it was. It wasn't L.L. Bean. Eddie Bauer, that's what it was, <laughs> in a mall. Um, there's so much stupid stuff in there. And granted, where I was working was not exactly high class, but you still had a lot of the same attitudes. So that to me was, that's that's the most fun and watching Libby walk, watching a character walk into that world all wide eyed. And for some reason, like she's bought in on, on the hype, on the commercials, on the advertising, like she's been completely sold in this lifestyle thing. Um, I find that to be a little entertaining jaded as I am now that, uh, that somebody could even be that naive, but <laughs> we were all young ones. Right. I mean, it's really not that different from like Apple cultists and they're definitely no. real. Which I think is weird as well, but in a weirder, in a stranger way. Like hers is a very innocent love for this company. Apple cultists are weird. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't call their their obsession innocent. I don't know what it is. Uh, I think they'd be fine burning down rivals in order to prop up their (laughs) Apple idol. Um, (laughs) All right. Uh, If there was Simon, if there was one thing you could change about Slacks, what would it be? I mean, I think it's kind of the same thing as everyone else. the that first forty five minutes, as you said, Patrick, it really establishes this uh, not toothless, but definitely pretty breezy satirical tone, um, and I think they just didn't quite find a way to merge that seamlessly, haha, <laughs> seamlessly, um, with the uh, considerably darker sort of chickens coming home to roost aspect 
of the um of the last 20 minutes uh and may i don't know and maybe that was purposeful uh maybe the whole point was to say um you know these these frivolous concerns have real human costs and like at a certain point it's not funny and it's not uh and it should not be the object of uh of breezy satire but it's tough to do that when you're making a movie about killer jeans. Uh, yeah. I was going to say like, you're selling a killer <laughs> pants movie here. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I, I can talk more about why I think they did that in a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I, something about that tonal balance just didn't quite work for me. And in fact, I think if anything, uh, maybe tacking on, and, and it's always dangerous to wish a movie was longer, but I, I if there had been some kind of uh, sort of more, if it kind of eased you into that tonal transition a little bit more, I think it could have been more effective. But of course, we're talking about obviously a, a very low budget feature here, so it's definitely cut to the bone. Um, so yeah, I guess if I could, if I could do anything, I would hand them another fifty thousand dollars to tack on like ten more minutes of this movie and kind of ease us into that darker, uh, din- darker final act. Um, Rick, what about you? Oh. I'm pretty much on the same page as Simon. I would extend the end of the film, make it really dark or darker. I want to see those people die. I want to see those idiots that lined up all night long to buy a pair of slacks just get killed and eaten by these pair of jeans. I want to I want to sympathize for my my monster. The message is a bit heavy-handed like I said for my taste when it comes to this sort of film. It is kind of dark like the fact that these large corporations are taking advantage of these people in different countries in the worst way possible and they're exploiting them and then we as consumers just keep on buying these products and making these companies rich like you know like it's it's like it's dark and it's twisted it's consumerism and but i it's at the end of the day it's it's a movie about killer pants like you're not going to change the world with this movie no and i think you have to be like it's it's very easy to point to everybody's exploited right everybody in this world is exploited we're we're all being used by the rich as well to make them richer everybody's going through their their own suffering i think you what you have to do to get your point across is do it right and i don't think the movie executes very well i i don't know if we can get into spoiler territory here oh but... we can we can okay so the character that we're talking about that event that that dies and comes back as killer pants she has an accident this is not the way to do this in a movie like this this is not the reason to get revenge because you fell into something and accidentally mm. died i understand like you're portraying this sort of work that, that somebody's being exploited but first of all the conditions are not shown as grueling that's a mistake uh, it looks like sunny california frankly like they're they're in an orange grove or something and everything looks great outside uh, blue skies and everything like that and then this person falls to their death that's not motivation for revenge <laughs> so I, that ruins it for me right there no but i agree i agree with patrick simon like that's that's the problem like it's it's so true like because we see these glimpses like these very quick glimpses like when it comes to the flashback scenes of this girl who died but she's working in this beautiful field wearing a clean beautiful sari like it's everything looks amazing i also have a problem with flashbacks so i i <laughs> I will be honest, this is my own sort of like pet peeve, but when you have this sort of flashback, that's what I'm saying. It takes you out of the movie because it presents you with this different scene with a different character who we don't know in a different country, in a different setting, in a different time. It takes me out of the current movie, the current storyline, the current characters that I follow. Let me just say something really quick. Like her falling in, remember we were talking about like proportionality, right? What happens later on and what really turned me off for that last 20 minutes is this person fell 
to their death. Fine. But there was never any any showing as to who might be responsible, like the jeans company. How is the jeans company responsible for this? Um, so you don't get the sense of like revenge is ever needed. And later on, the two main characters, uh, Shruti and Libby, sympathize with her immediately. Uh, as if she is the real victim here, not the people she has actually then murdered who had nothing to do with this. You, they didn't tie the stuff in together. It, it, it would have been better. I, I could definitely see a movie where they tied in the employees to being part of the problem. And therefore, that's why they deserve to die. But it needed to go back to, I needed to see the original victim actually be victimized instead of just... Mm-hmm accidentally falling to their death in which case i thought like why should i care about this monster because this monster is going on a rampage for its own fault almost uh in movie terms and obviously i could extrapolate it out to the the real world and i understand what they're trying to say i just don't think they did it very well in movie terms. and the big ceo harold he never even dies in the movie so again, I, I know I'm, I know I sound like I'm being harsh in the movie, and I really do like this movie. I mean, I chose it so we can talk about it, so we can recommend it, and I recommend everybody watch the movie. But it's just the flashbacks that bugs me. So you're asking me about one thing I can change, and the one thing I would change is the actual flashbacks. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree that the staging of that of that uh, character slash sequence is uh, far from ideal. For I think Patrick, you're totally right about uh, there's lots of I, I mean there's lots of ways you can portray a brutal sweatshop or exploitative labor environment there's tons of visual language available for that and it's not here i think they are kind of coasting on our knowledge of the fact that these that there really are awful hyper exploitative and often extremely dangerous practices associated with the products we use every day i mean i i don't have to tell you examples there's thousands um of course I do think uh, when I was when I was talking earlier about why this movie had to be set in Canada, one thing that those sequences do do for the movie uh, that I, you know, I wish they could have been done a different way is we get those. That's the only way that it's really established. It's a Canadian company because we have those that signage saying uh, Canadian cotton uh, farmers or whatever, Um, the Canadian cotton company, whatever the exact signage is. And I think that's important because. To me, what the movie is really about is Canada and its uh, and the myth of sort of friendly, toothless uh, multiculturalism. And I think that uh, that's represented in the movie by uh, Libby and her sort of innocent love of of Bollywood and Bollywood culture. Um, and uh, and I think that what the movie is sort of trying to say is like, yes, our, our society th- hypothetically has this very friendly, uh, you know, um, melting pot uh, or toss salad or however the fuck you want to put it approach to different cultures. But at the same time, uh, we don't like our relation, our exploitative relationship to other countries and, you know, the global marketplace is exactly the same as anywhere else. Uh, And your and our sort of like comfier or like more PR friendly image doesn't change that. And I thought that was actually a really cool uh, hook for a horror movie. Uh, as we said, the execution like left something to be desired. But as, a, as an actual message, I thought it was kind of cool. Whereas the satire in the beginning worked really well for me. Uh, I think they could have eased into that. I also, it, what I would have changed isn't getting rid of any of that, that last 10 minutes. I would have just changed the way that the main characters react to it. I don't, I think what annoyed me the most was they're immediately turning to the side of the pants. 
<laughs> when, <laughs> when they had no, when they didn't have any real idea of what happened. And keep in mind, lots of quote unquote innocent people have been killed. And I know nothing about the, you know, the pants girl. Maybe she wasn't all that innocent either. But, but, but lots of people who had sort of, like I say, nothing to do with this died horrible deaths. So your main characters in a horror movie should still be aware of that. They can under, maybe understand now why the pants are trying to kill everybody. And they can use that, exploit that in certain ways to keep themselves alive. But instead, what they did was go all out and say, we're like, they basically dropped to their knees and said, we're so sorry. Um, I don't think that that was an appropriate reaction in a horror movie like this. But Patrick, that's the Canadian reaction. That's what we do. <laughs> Maybe that's because I'm American, and I, <laughs> <laughs> and I would just like want to take. I'd want to take the shovel to the pants and just <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I get your problems. I understand, but I do have to kill you still. <laughs> no, 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 no. We have to apologize like several times. Say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We, I'm sorry. You know, it's kind of like what we do, right? <laughs> I, now, after you've given me that perspective, though, I kind maybe I take that back. Maybe that character, I might watch this movie in a completely different light now. <laughs> in the, like, now that you've given me a little Canadian perspective here, what if that was intentional? Maybe. Okay. Well, all that being said, you mentioned all the different great cast of characters and everything like that. Check this out for a segue. Uh, who do you say <laughs> is the MVP of this film? Oh, Rick, how about you go first? I, uh, I, I really like Brett Donahue's performance. I, I, I don't know. Like, I very rarely go with an actor, and maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should choose the director, but I think he he carried the movie at times, and I thought he stood out, and his performance is the one I remember most, and I just dug his performance. I love his character, and when he dies, I sort of start missing his character. I wish he survived. I wish this movie would be a million times better if he survived, everyone else died, and he actually does achieve his dream and take over Harold's position and become the CEO. And then we get a sequel. (laughs) Slacks with three X's. (laughs) That would actually be pretty fun. I didn't, I mean, he, he has a, he's a nice little death there. I guess it's not, it's still not as good as the, uh, the other guys, the sales clerks death in the warehouse but still a nice one um simon well who's your mvp i'm gonna give it to uh the screenplay writer and or writers how many credits we talking about here ricky uh just two for the writers patricia gomez and elsa kephart wrote the screenplay. yeah i think that um i mean obviously we have our problems with the sort of the tonal uh the 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 tonal muck that happens later in the film um but i kind of think that's more of a function of what came later than what's necessarily in the script. Uh, Obviously I can't look at it to confirm that, but I do want to just give them some props for uh, cramming a lot of ideas and a lot of uh, really interesting sort of thematic material and a lot of really great jokes into a very, very tight script. Um, That's not easy to do. And I'm sure it was a a function of, of judicious editing. So props, props on a, on a, on a very, I think a very tight and often very funny and effective little screenplay. Yeah, I would say that while I was watching it, I became aware that I was impressed by just how good a lot of it was for a movie about killer pants. I was expecting <laughs> a cheesy romp, but but there's some depth in there. And like you said, it's very tight. And I always appreciate efficiency in, in, in those things. And 
I was getting something out of it, which I was I was genuinely surprised by, which might have made the ending just even more disappointing because I liked so much of what came before. I'm amazed we've gotten this far without mentioning Quentin Dupure. I mean, at least, I don't know. I haven't seen the last couple. Uh, some people seem to like Deerskin. Um, th- this movie absolutely does have some of that shared DNA, if only because it's, you know, it takes an absurd premise with a somewhat straight face, and there's also anthropomorphized clothing uh, and or, you know, anthropomorphized previously inanimate objects, which is very much a Dupure thing. But tonally, it's totally different from a Quentin Dupure film. And I, I appreciate that it didn't feel like, even though you'd read the premise and think, oh, this sounds like one of his movies. It doesn't feel like one at all. The tone is totally different. It doesn't feel trashy in any way. Like it's uh, trying to wink, wink at B movies. Even I feel like they took the, they're having fun with it. And they're certainly poking fun at the fact that they have animated killer pants running around killing people, but everything's getting a little bit of the comic treatment. So it doesn't, it somehow doesn't feel so bizarre to be watching this. And it doesn't have the like ironic hipster detachment of no, something like the pure film. Yeah. Uh, it feels much more, well, frankly, it feels a lot more Canadian. It feels much more sort of earnest. Yeah. There's a sincerity to it. Even though there is that, that satire to it, there's a sincerity that it's, it's not trying to be a killer new B movie. If that makes any sense. Um, <laughs> All right, I don't know if this question's like kind of irrelevant for this movie. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, but the Howard Hawks test, obviously, great movie. Three great scenes, no bad ones. Uh, all right, so this is what we're looking at here. This is the, our three great scenes. You got to have three great ones and no bad ones. Does this movie pass the Howard Hawks test? No, and I don't think we have to spend five minutes talking about this. I don't think so either. Yeah. <laughs> no, lots of stuff I enjoyed. Great scenes, probably not. Bad scenes, not really. Uh, but it, it kind of sticks to sticks to a couple of registers and uh, mostly does them pretty well. Yeah. Um, I guess the only straight out bad scene I would call is the flashback. I do think that it is bad and hurts the movie. But uh, outside of that, I don't know that I would have to say there are any great scenes. But I am going to remember the way the pants moved. So I'm going to give a special shout out, by the way, to the, I never did this for my MVP, but since you guys named the other good MVPs, I'm going to give this, whoever the special effects people were on this, who did the, who were responsible for the pants. Good job. Yo, whoever the the dance choreographer was. Oh yeah. Like that dance sequence was like lit, man, lit. I'm telling you. (laughs) All right. So is there a movie or uh, sorry, is there an audience for movies like, I wanted to call it pants, by the way. Slacks in the future. <laughs> There's always an audience for people that dig movies like this. I mean, what's his face has been making movies like Killer, Killer. What's it called? Rubber, Rubber to kill Rubber. Fire the, the tire that kills people. I think yeah, yeah he's been slogan. making movies yeah. like that for like over ten years now. I mean, Slacks is a, a really fun B movie. It's 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 like a a monster film. I mean, he, I love movies like this, and I I know I'm not alone. And and if it's see the thing about slacks is a type of movie that you re- recommend to people who clearly love horror films. I'm not sure if the mainstream audience is going to like appreciate this film, but it's not made for them. It's 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 an acquired taste. It's for a very specific audience. It's it's a small audience. Uh, I'm just glad we have a streaming service like Shutter because Shutter picked up the film. It will be playing on Shutter. You can watch it on Shutter. Thank God. Because without Shutter, I'm not sure if anyone would have a chance to watch this movie nowadays. 
Yeah, it was good they got picked up. I would argue that this is this can be a movie for a general audience. I think sometimes general audiences just need to be introduced to something that they would like. Uh, this is a movie that can bridge a gap because it has something relatable. And most people, so many people work in retail, have worked some kind of retail job. Uh, and a lot of people have worked in, in clothing. There's clearly tons of clothing stores. And I think that's their in. I think recognizing that little bit of satire at the beginning, get it, having the little wink, you know, wink at all the little stupid things that go on behind the scenes of these places. That's how you get the general audience in. And then they sort of stay for, for some of the bizarre kills and, and other laughs that go around. I would say that uh, to add to something Patrick said about how there's a built-in audience for anyone who works in retail, I'd say there's an even broader built-in audience for anyone who's just sick of like looking at, I don't know, the Burger King Twitter feed and it's saying like organic is bay or whatever. Like just... <laughs> Anyone who's who's sick to death of that kind of garbage, I think, will find something to enjoy in this movie. Yeah, I think, and even if you're not hip to you know the social issues that this movie's covering, there's something in there. And you're right, Rick. Like, I, ideally, this movie would have had a different, you know, it would have been a little more polished. It is still a B movie at heart. If you want a mainstream movie, you're probably not looking at B movies anyway, right? But I think a concept like this could work really well at a mainstream level with with a different cast, you know, to lure people in as well. But I honestly think that I could show this to a lo- any any one of my friends who just doesn't care about movies, uh, just watches mainstream stuff, and I think they will get they will find something to be entertained with. Um, they may not like the ending, just like me, but they'll like. I think they'll like the rest of the movie. Just Simon, I, I, it can work. What do you have against a Burger King Twitter account? Like whoever's whoever's in charge of a Twitter account at Burger King has been an excellent job, man. This oh, Burger I, King I, Twitter account has more personality than ninety nine point nine percent of Twitter accounts. I was I, honestly, I don't even know what's on the Burger King Twitter account. And by the oh, way, it's amazing. <laughs> I have I have worked I briefly worked for a few months a social media job and I it was for a uh, it doesn't matter what it was for it was for it was a really complex uh, social media job and I uh, I discovered then how hard those fucking jobs are and I have so much respect for people who have to manage social media for their job it's it's hard I, I... <laughs> <laughs> having to be clever all the time is must be exhausting oh not just being clever but like but like matching the tone the specific tone of the brand whatever that happens to be God, right that's the hardest part the hardest part is matching the brand and being able to speak has an actual has the actual brand not like a person not like yourself and then when you do something really clever 99.9 percent people don't understand and then everyone gets into a fight it's the worst but the burger king twitter account props to whoever does it it's amazing <laughs> really, honest to God. <laughs> All right, instant follow for Burger King at Burger King. Uh, one, one last question. So, when the thing was, uh, when the pants was sucking up blood, the little <laughs> logo on the, on its, uh, you know, on its pocket, rear pocket, they would turn red one by one, right? What was the point of that? It just looked cool. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to pay off. What do you want? Like the pants were going to get superpowers. As soon as it was fully loaded on blood, it was going to become super pants. You know, The pants something. were already, they were already superpowered. They didn't need superpowers. <laughs> I thought it was like filling itself up. It was like, oh God, when all four of those logos are filled in red, we're going to see, you know, epic pants. Um, all right. I was just checking to see if I missed something. This is an incredibly complex Killer Pants movie, as far as Killer <laughs> Pants movies go. 
right. Uh, with that, we should probably wrap things up. Um, sew it up. Rick, uh, where can we find the podcast? Simon, I don't know. Oh, Simon, you've got your letterbox. Your letterbox. Yeah, I'm uh, Sucker Howl on Letterboxd, I think. Okay. Um, you can't follow me anywhere yet. Uh, Rick, where can they find the podcast? Um, just go to sortedcinema.com. You will find the archive for every episode that is currently available. Um, Twitter, Sorted Cinema. We, you can listen to the podcast um, on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Spotify, you name it, everywhere. But sortedcinema.com has every single link. If you like the show, give us a rating on iTunes. And I guess that is about it. All right, that'll do it for today's show. We will be back next week. See you then.